This is a fourth-hand production. A lot of people aren't aware of this. The movie that Kubrick did before The Shining was a movie. It was a movie about the Napoleonic, you know, wars, the Napoleonic era, called Barry Lyndon. And when he filmed that, he he wanted to light scenes entirely by candlelight. Um, and of course, if you know anything about filmmaking, it can't be done. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. it, it's too dark. It doesn't work. Um, anytime you see a candle burning, there's always a, a, a light off, off camera, high, you know, illuminating the room. Right, right. When they blow the candle out, they turn the light off with it. Um, go back and watch any of the old universal horror movies. You'll see it a million times. Kubrick wanted to change that. And he wanted to film strictly by candlelight. Well, believe it or not, NASA had developed a lens that allowed that to happen. Um, and they lent it to Kubrick. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, you know, why is NASA lending Kubrick its lenses? I mean, of course, the question answers itself. It's because he worked for him. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they, are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't know, know. planes that they're building? in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. Well, fuck. <laughs> If you have to take something. I guess I'm Josh. Yeah. You know, it's not excited. I mean, you know, I don't know if you have a second shot in that, but, you know, you can go from there. I know, nah, you- man, I, uh, <laughs> I had the last like five days off work and I have to go back in the morning and not just back to work, but back to the office. And I am not oh. excited about that at all. Yeah, yeah. I um, I had some personal stuff go on today, so I took the day off. But uh, yeah, same thing. I got to be at the site tomorrow. I mean, you know, I don't know. It is what it is, but it's definitely not fun for sure. So a lot of little stuff going on. I tell you, you do sound a little bit uh, better than last time. <laughs> you sound like you're a dead ass tired, dude. Oh. oh, dude, I was so fucking tired. I'm tired right now, but not like. Not like that. Yeah, dude. So <clears throat> like the office building has these like super expensive smart windows that tend to block out the sun when it's supposed to be hitting the building directly, like sold as a like green feature, right? Like, right, right. You know, making the, the building better for the environment, but like it will do it automatically, but they can also be programmed. And because you get such a mix of just dipshits in, <laughs> uh, in, business like you have the people that can't stand any light at all and then the people that can't stand having it dark oh yeah and like so like the windows will be blacked out it'll be midnight in there and if you turn on a light someone freaks the fuck out (laughs) it's just so annoying so it's it's, like dark and it's cold it feels like a tomb man like god that sucks dude it's just like there's no waking up you know what i mean yeah yeah no i mean it's not a good environment to work in because it's not you know bright and air i don't know same thing like you know i got again i got two different sites one of them is a bit dated and kind of the same thing you know people 
like you walk in, it's just dark and, you know, the lights are not LED. They're old, um, you know, your old fluorescent bulbs. And, yeah, yeah. You know, we're looking at getting upgraded, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you realize now that with like technology and LED and things are like, it makes it just, it makes you feel better. I know that sounds weird, but it makes you feel better rather than walking into, you know, a 30 year old building that has 30 year old technology. It, it's different. It's different. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, man. And, and like, it, it would be fine, but it's, just it's empty it's cold and it's dark and so it just like feels weird especially now at this time of year where it's like leaving the house when it's dark you know Mm -hmm. getting to work and it's dark like by the time i get to work the sun's up but it's only been out for a minute that's the thing you know i go into this night cocoon and i just like it really messes with my circadian rhythms but I think it does where everybody and, and that's where like daylight savings time can go shove it because it's like, come on, you know, this isn't working when it and I'm Pacific time. So yeah. when we set the clocks back, I mean, literally it's dark at 430, like 430. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. I, you know, like same thing left in the dark. I'm driving home in the dark. It just isn't ideal. And then you're like exhausted at seven. You have no clue why. You know, it's just yeah. weird. I, I don't know. You know, I yeah, love the like once time, we but, get uh, once we get into October or once we get into November, it's pretty much the same here where it's like yep, yep. sun isn't out until about eight thirty nine and then it's down by four. Yeah. Four thirty. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. You know, you got like Eastern coasters, you know, it's not quite the same thing. But man, the Pacific time zone, you know, we're three hours behind East Coast, you know, an hour behind Mountain, which is you. Um, yeah, it wears on you. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird, especially like in the summer times when it's nine o'clock and you're still kind of wide awake and wrapping stuff up in the yard or whatever you're doing. And it's <laughs> it's not like that in the winter time. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to trade them. I want it to stay lighter out later in the winter and, mm-hmm. uh, I want the sunset to come a little earlier in the summer, you know, cause I do enjoy a summer night and I would oh, like to 100%. do summer night things at like eight 30 or nine instead of 10, you know? Yeah. And it, yeah. And here's the thing too. It makes me feel bad if I'm cracking a beer at the end of a day and the sun's still up. Like I'm like, damn, it, it just, it's just too early. You know, that's why I don't it, have that kind of, uh, of, um, ethical moral purpose. restriction yeah <laughs> yeah nothing like that anyway yeah that time of year so anyway sorry folks we're, we're bantering back forth you know weather i suppose again you know it's what it is um good to have you man glad you're doing well uh we actually have so i wanted to this is kind of a cool episode um and feel free to you know add on to this josh whatever you want we, we actually had this guy on before uh and the one thing that we i, I think we both kind of sidestep and we get ourselves what's the word for it engrossed into like you know other than weird shit is just like movies and shows like i feel like you watch just as much as i watch you know give or take maybe a little more a little less whatever have you there's so much good stuff out there there's so many classics out there so we're always talking about media to a certain point and so this guy kind of really fit right in the bracket right um yeah i I don't know what's your thoughts on it yeah the nightmare rectangle governs a way too much of my life (laughs) <laughs> like, right. I feel like if I'm awake, I'm staring at a screen. It's either at work or at home. I'm watching TV or I'm looking at shit on my phone or like, yeah, it's, you know, and look, you know, it's not ideal, you know, and I try to be cognizant of it. You know, I set up shit on my phone so I know like how long I'm looking at it and you know, you're I not supposed know. to be, I, I, know, I know, I don't need that shame. <laughs> it's like an added part of your life. Well, and you know, yeah, like you, you yeah. feel weird about cracking a beer 
before the sun's down, I feel weird about knowing exactly how long I looked at my phone. <laughs> is that what it is? Ah, yeah. Apples and oranges, I suppose. Yeah. But here's the thing. The, the reality is we stare screens all the time. Um, in fact, and we can talk about probably after, you know, we'll do the interview and come back to it. But uh, we both saw a new movie that's out. You know, we're both into like the Marvel and the DC stuff like that. We chat a little bit about that. But uh, there's so much good stuff out there. Like there's so much good stuff. And you forget how good some of the classics are. You forget how good some, like they got a knives out part two that's coming. And I can't, oh, you've uh, seen I'm knives out, right? That. Oh man, dude, yeah. knives out is so good. And so this is like a, I think Netflix is going to drop it. It's a, uh, it's a knives out murder mystery. It's not like a part two. They set it up different, but Daniel Craig's in it. So it's kind of the same characters. Hmm. Um, really looking forward to, it. I think November it drops, you know, as long as it was written you know, and directed by the same, Dude, same guy uh, yep. whose name i can't think of right now um ryan johnson but uh god he does such a good job yeah, yeah as long as as long as he's got a hand in it and it's not someone just doing something similar to try right. and cash in on it then i'm right. down yeah yeah but did you see that movie all the old knives uh i think it was on prime um chris pine yeah I don't know. I don't think I, I think a lot of people did. thought that was supposed to be related to uh, Knives Out and it absolutely is not. Oh, OK. It is a great movie and I highly fucking recommend watching it. But yeah, yeah. it's gotten they're not at all. They just both have knives in the t- in the, <laughs> in, the in, in the title. title. <laughs> That's funny. yeah. How be- well, it's just like, you know, back in the day, remember, like part one and part two and sometimes part two didn't have the same fucking characters. It didn't have the same director produced. Like there's nothing remotely involved in it. But and half the like shit- Halloween three. Yeah, good good call. Actually, and we talked about that during, during the interview. But one of the things is, uh, you know, a lot of these things went straight to video on demand. You know, they're they're just crappy. Like I I enjoy, and I know you're not a horror guy, but um, one of the coolest vampire movies that that I've seen is uh, Vampires, and it's just that's it was a it was a Carpenter movie. Um, yeah, you know, it had uh, shit. Who was the lead? Uh, James Woods was the lead character. It just had a really cool thing. Well, then literally like the year later they had, you know, vampires Two, and it starred John Bon Jovi and no offense to John Bon Jovi. <laughs> but it was not great. <laughs> Let's just fucking say that anyway, you know? Yeah, dude. Oh man. Um, I actually liked that movie and I feel like around that year, around that era, there were a lot of like random vampire movies that didn't tie in together that weren't based off an Anne Rice novel that were just like, Hey, we're going to make, this weird ass fucking vampire movie and uh cool yeah like yeah, daybreakers yeah. and um daybreakers was, was great was that uh who, yeah was that ethan hawk daybreakers i can't and remember if it was Defoe? him or that uh fucking dwarf dude i can't remember i Jason think that's dwarf or, oh oh steven dwarf yeah uh, he was in um uh blade he was in a vampire movie oh he, he was, was in blade, blade. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was the motherfucker that was always trying to ice skate uphill yeah, um, <laughs> that was him. <laughs> which is one yeah. of the best one-liners in any fucking movie ever. Oh, it's fucking like, phenomenal. Some motherfuckers always trying to <laughs> ice skate uphill, <laughs> kicks the <laughs> vampire venom into him and makes him explode. Oh, you fucking love um, it. But uh, who was the other dude that looked like Steven Dorff? You know, I don't know. Like I said, Daybreakers, I'm pretty sure, had Ethan Hawke. And one I mean, I've got my phone sitting right in front of me. And oh, we could. Google but that's no fun. That's not fun, man. You know, we got to get facts wrong and then come back later on and go, hey, we got our facts wrong. And then be I like, mean. turns out Utah <laughs> is bigger than Ireland. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know how this fucking podcast works. Jesus, guys. Yeah, if you don't know it by now. But uh, yeah, no, no. Cool. Like Near Dark. Near Dark was fucking awesome vampire movie back in the 90s. I love that show. 
Oh, and like fucking uh, 20 Days of Night or whatever. Oh, 30 Days of Night. Yeah, where they're in Alaska. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That was a a cool new take on, like, they had their own language. They're clicking together and shit. I'm like, oh, man, this is badass. A lot of these were from graphic novels. Like, a lot of them, I guess I misspoke when I was like, uh, when I was like, oh, yeah, these are original whatever, you know. But I think Daybreakers was, and it was Ethan Hawke and Willem Dafoe. Was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. And like I said, the reboot and Blade, which, eh, you know, we'll see. Oh, I'm fucking pumped for that, dude. Mahershala ah. Ali. That's going to be good as oh, fuck. Oh, is he the one that... Uh, okay, cool. I didn't know who was cast as the main one. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, we were talking about this before um, when we were talking about Black Adam. And, like, Marvel has it down to a science for the most part, whereas, like, you know, they know how to make a movie that's going to be entertaining and funny and, like... right you know, established worlds and characters. Like they don't miss very often. Like the new Dr. Strange was kind of like, eh, you know, I think they went more, well, look who was behind Dr. Strange. I mean, Sam Raimi. Right. So, you know, they, they brought the horror aspect into Marvel, which they really haven't done. They tried with ghost Rider, didn't really fucking stick, you know? And so this is a different. Well, and all the ghost Rider movies were before Marvel studios was Marvel studios. Right. right. While they were still trying to figure it out, you know, yeah, Marvel Knights, I think they called that whole, uh, you know, some like Punisher and some of the other ones were in the Marvel Knights, which was completely different way before uh, Avengers and all this other shit, you know? So, yeah, like uh, like the first Iron Man movie is when Marvel Studios got its real yep. first like. Yep. Agreed. What it was trying to do. You know? And it was bad anyway, too. Yeah. Um, like they're they're really good at. at uh, they're usually really good at picking good writers and good directors, you know, and I think that if they get an Oscar winner to play the main character they're not gonna set that up to fail you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure yeah like they're not gonna be like hey mahershala ali come play blade and then also we're gonna get some dipshit who doesn't know anything to write it i've heard like stories that the writers have been replaced a few times so it might get a little weird because that happens and sometimes i heard that if that happens enough the script gets really disjointed like world war z you know yeah well you know a good example you know we're talking about the movie we both watched uh, black adam you know, shit, it's been like all, over 10 years in the making. Like, you know, Rock mm-hmm. was involved and he wasn't involved and there's writers and they rewrote it and there's different script and it's just been like on the cutting room floor for fucking ever. So to have it finally come out and kind of come together, uh, I don't know. You know, like I said, kind of cool. Kind of cool. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed so. it. I thought it was super fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, some of the people I went and saw it with were kind of expecting more of like uh, the new um, Suicide Squad uh, yeah, peacemaker kind you. of vibe where it's going to be hilarious and ridiculous and stuff. And I was like, that's not, Oh yeah, but don't that's get me not wrong. typical DC. Yeah. Like yeah, that's true, a, true. that's rare for DC to make a movie that good or, yeah. you know, not a yeah, show yeah. like all of their series are really good. Um, yeah. And, and they uh, just uh, yeah. whiff on the big, big blockbuster motion pictures. They just fuck it up every time they do. Like, yeah. Why are you, why are you giving us a team up movie? Where we don't know anything about anybody. That's thank you. We were talking about that. So here's the thing, you know, I wasn't a huge DC guy. I did Marvel mostly, but I knew the DC characters. I knew, you know, yeah, the majority of them, right? Yeah, the big ones, right? Um, Hawkman. It's like you pick now to introduce Hawkman now to bring the guy. You know, it's like really, he's one of the pivotal characters in fucking the DC world. And they got a phenomenal actor to play him. Oh yeah. And then they like he's just there. And we're just 
all supposed to have been reading DC comic books for a million years and know right. who the fuck Hawkman is. Right. It's like, no, man. The, yeah. The Justice Society. If you didn't grow up reading <laughs> DC titles, then you are lucky if you know anyone more than Batman and Superman. Right. Right. You 100%. Know? Hundred percent, but and again, not to spoil it for anybody, but there's some cool little uh, cameos in the show. Um, you know, Pierce Brosnan plays a f- fucking awesome character. I've always thought that he would be great in the whole superhero universe, and I'm right, you know. But then again, his character, and you know, go see it. You know, it's a good show. But his character again, they didn't really explain who the hell they this didn't guy explain is. that Doctor Fate isn't just Western family fucking Doctor Strange. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Even though they. Ha- had almost all the exact same moves. Yep, 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 for sure. But anyway, we digress. So, you know, we can talk movies after the interview. I think that, uh, you know, and again, this is kind of a unique episode. Halloween's upon us, so it's closer, closer. You know what, give or say, uh, well, this is going to drop actually a couple days before Halloween. Um, and that's why we wanted to do it. And that's why we brought uh, this guest on, who is Robert Sullivan. And Robert Sullivan, we've had on before. I look back and I think I want to say, bro, it was like season four, I think. And same thing, you know, what this guy does, um, number one, he's in everything, which is amazing, but he has several bucks. And if you, if you haven't got them, check them out. They're in the interview. Um, they're well worth getting. Uh, he just dissects these movies on a symbolic level, like nobody that I've ever, we've ever interviewed. I mean, it was really kind of crazy. Um, what kind of work he puts into stuff and he'll watch a movie like a hundred times over to pick up every little last thing. And we're not talking just like Easter eggs. We're taught like the symbolism, the hidden some you know symbology behind this stuff, the hidden meanings behind these things. Like it's just it's crazy, you know. But um, it was funny because he reached out uh, what a week before the interview and said, "Hey, you guys, you know, like last year we were talking about Halloween. You know, what do you think?" I'm like, "Do we?" <laughs> so it was actually him that reached out to us, which I thought was kind of cool, you know. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't know if you have anything else to say about it on your side. If no, not, you know, yeah. Are you good? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, hell, let's roll in the interview, everybody. This is Robert W. Sullivan III. Um, again, you'll find all the notes in the uh, notes in the app. You'll find the drops in the interview, um, his books he read, what he's done. And it was just a fun talk around horror movies mainly. Um, yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Open the gates. Robert Sullivan has had an amazing career to include a Freemason, philosopher, historian, antiquarian, writer, editor, mystic, radio TV personality, showman, best-selling author, CEO, and lawyer, which, wow, that's a pretty amazing accomplishment, just as it is to say the least. Um, as an author, he is the CEO of Deadwood Publishing and has released an amazing foundation of work, including The Royal Ark of Enoch, The Impact of Masonic Ritual, Philosophy, and Symbolism, Cinema Symbolism, A Guide to Esoteric Imagery in Popular Movies, Cinema Symbolism 2, uh, which is more uh, esoteric imagery, A Pact with the Devil, and lastly, Cinema Symbolism 3, The Mysteries of Occult Hollywood Unveiled. His impressive research into Hollywood symbolism is where we have and why we have Mr. Sullivan back on the podcast. We did have him previous about a year ago, and he's gracious to come back on. And this time around, we're going to discuss and focus the horror movies because it is just in time for Halloween. And we absolutely can't write. Robert, thank you so much for coming back on Strange Uncles. 
Well, thank you, Shane, for having me on. It's my pleasure to be here and to do my uh, annual Halloween Masonic special with you guys. Uh, looking very much forward to it. No, fantastic. And, you know, and honestly, this, this is really, I, I mean, I can't wait. Number one, listeners, you know me by now. <laughs> Halloween's like my favorite holiday. <laughs> uh, but there's so much around it. And, you know, first of all, I've got your books. All three of you sent them a, a books that uh, they're pretty amazing. Love how you break them down. Love how you kind of look at the allegories and the symbolism in them. So, you know, we'll promote that definitely towards the end. And, and listeners, I'll put that in the show notes so you can pick up his books. So just amazing foundation of work for sure. Um, but again, you know, like we covered, we really want to kind of dive down the, the horror movie uh, bracket with this being said. And I, I guess I can throw it over to you, Robert, at this point. Like, let me know where you want to start. Um, what kind of got you interested into it? Where horror movies sure. kind of fall into your your forte? And, and we can go from there. Sure, absolutely. I, I'm a huge uh, horror movie fan. I have been my, my whole life. And uh, uh, the, the one thing that's that's really great is um, so, so many horror movies uh, feature, you know, you know, these esoteric themes uh, for whatever reason. And it's really an appropriate, you know, subject for Halloween, um, you know, which is, of course, this haunted holiday. You know, it's one of these uh, solar holidays, um, as so many of them are. It's the, you know, the celebration. It's, we have one in the spring also called uh, Beltane Valpurgisnacht. This is the spring equivalent of Halloween. Um, and of course, that's when the daylight is becoming stronger. Um, this is, of course, the celebration of darkness when uh, the sun is heading into the vault of winter and taking the earth with it and everything just becomes frigid and cold and uh, of course as such because darkness reigns uh, this gives license to the demons and the ghosts and the witches to come out to play um, every 31st of October so um, yeah I mean whenever you know Halloween also has a special uh, place in my heart Um, I'm not sure if the listeners are aware I was born on October 30th um, so so it was yeah, the day before I'm on Halloween Eve, Devil's Night. And uh, as a child growing up, this was kind of like the greatest thing ever um, because um, I could do the Halloween birthday party, you know, and, you know, you get presents and then the next day you go out trick-or-treating. So as a child <laughs> growing up, um, I mean, this was like the best of both worlds. Oh, yeah, um, you, yeah. know, you, so you celebrate your birthday and then you dress up and go out the next night and get candies and, you know, do whatever. So, I mean, this was, you know, it was, it was really special for me. And yeah, I, lo- I love uh, horror movies. I mean, and like I said, so many of the classics uh, are just replete um, with, you know, little homages, Easter eggs, occult symbolism, uh, you know, esoteric undercurrents. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing. That's uh, always, always, always something for me, for, for, for me to I enjoy analyzing. Yeah, absolutely. No. And, and that's kind of the same thing here. That's the fun for me too, because, you know, there seems like there, there's always something behind the door. There's always something that, uh, is hidden, you know, beneath. And, and of course, you know, finding that in and horror movies, of course. And I guess the, the one question I have for you, Robert, and then we can, we can actually just start rolling on the movies. Um, is do you, do you find that horror movies have more symbolism to them necessarily on their own as far as a genre? Or is there another genre that maybe, takes that precedence a little bit more. Well, I would answer your question this way. I would say that horror definitely does seem to take the cake. Um, there are, with that answer, though, um, this symbolism, this, you know, these arcane themes uh, transcend genre. I mean, you will find them in comedies. You will find them in drama. You will find them in romances. Um, there, there is no genre that is um, exempt from it. But I think with, with, with the horror film... I think it's sort of doubly important because in a nutshell, when you, when you're doing with horror and, you know, a scary movie, you're inherently dealing with some sort of occult 
you know, theme to begin with, whether it be a monster, you know, a Kabbalistic golem, a ghost, a demon. I mean, these are inherently, you know, occult topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it only seems appropriate that, you know, these, these, these horror movies would contain these esoteric, you know, themes. And when, when you're dealing with, um, you know, I mean, the, the, the directors that make them, whether it be a Kubrick or a William Friedkin, um, they really seem to be honed in on this and they really seem to understand that because in horror, and you find this now with the, the I mean, this we, we were going back and forth in emails. Um, I've seen the movie twice now with this this latest Halloween movie called Halloween Ends. This oh, is yeah. part of this new trilogy that they re- released. Um, these three movies, and especially this last one, it's just overloaded. Um, with all sorts of dark themes. I mean, a, a quarter of the way into this this one, this this last one, this Halloween ends. I felt like I was watching a David Lynch movie. Um, you know, I mean, wow. it's just it's just yeah. again, I mean, it, it's just so overloaded um, with, with 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 different ideas in it. And I loved it. Um, I know I know the movie. You know, you know, I see some YouTube videos. I know it's a little polarizing. Um, I know there's you know some people saying it's divisive. I love the movie personally. We we could talk about that a little bit. But no, I mean, just to answer your question. Um, the, the, the one thing that I like about this study is that these, um, you know, these esoteric arcane undercurrents transcend genres. But, you know, when you are dealing with horror films, um, you know, you know, they, they always seem to have a little bit more, uh, you know, and always work it in somehow. Yeah, and and agreed absolutely, and I and I think and you know you hit it on the head with this new Halloween ends. I mean, obviously, I was obliged to see it just because that you know you have to, right? Um, this is a, the whole wrap up to what's going on. Very interesting, I, I, and I can't wait to talk about that too. And I've heard the the you know the jury's out and what people think and all their complaints about oh you know he doesn't show Michael Myers doesn't show up until. You know, right. like 40 minutes into it, he's only on screen for like 10 minutes. But in reference to that, real quick, um, the original Halloween only had him in for like 10 minutes. And so it really isn't really too far of a clutch. It's just I think people, I don't know, I think they expect something that maybe, you know, it maybe really shouldn't be expected. But um, with that being said, Robert, I, I'm going to hand it over to you. And I'm let you. what I'd like to do is I'd like to maybe start with some of the older uh, horror movies, you know, we, I, we, of course I have a list. I threw out yet. Some of them, sure. you know, we, we, we don't want to get down the rabbit hole to be honest with you, but let's start old and work our way up to new and, and just kind of, you know, find the ones that you really have enjoyed that you bring a lot of things out and, and work from there. Sure. We can go back in time. Um, that's no problem. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I know on the list we had The Exorcist. I mean, I guess this is sort yes. of the, you know, the pinnacle of horror films. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and what's so great about The Exorcist is um, this is a movie that is overloaded with, you know, you know, neoplatonic arcane themes. Um, the, the movie, the movie works as a psyop. Also, um, William Peter Blatty, who, who wrote the novel, was a CIA black operator. And, um, the move, the movie came out the day after Christmas, 1973. And if you look at it psychologically, um, the movie is designed to quell the radicalism of the 1960s, where you have the sun priests, the two Jesuits, um, you know, you know, representing the, the authority of the state of the pop over the populace mm-hmm. and the de- the unruly demon is the radicalism of the 60s. And of course, this is cast out. Um, so the movie is basically a psyop um, designed to uh, to to transform the radicalism of the 60s into, you know, to turn to people, you know, basically, you know, to quell it, crush it. Um, and this you get with, you know, 
the music of the Carpenters that came on at the time and, you know, the budgeting disco music. This was basically, you know, white America, go to the suburbs and chill out, basically. And um, and it worked. Wow. And, and, and the work the work really does, you know, is, is exceptional as on a psychological basis as, as a CIA black psyop. Um, that being said, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we deal with loads of neoplatonic occult esoteric themes in it i mean whether it's the start of the movie where you're in the hot desert um and of course you know this ties into things where jesus christ represents apollo the sun god and of course once the demon comes onto the scene it becomes cold frigid the death of the sun um i love it how william freaking um the scene the scene where where um chris is walking home from the shoot of crash course and she pisses what else but the trick-or-treaters oh right, and of right, course right. Right. And this is, of course, psychologically telling you that the sun is decaying. It's going into death. Um, darkness reigns. And of course, this is going to give license to the, the demon to come out. Um, and of course, Stanley Kubrick, uh, a few years later in The Shining, pulls this exact same trick. Um, when he tells you that when, 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 when Jack Torrance is being interviewed by Allman for the caretaking job, I believe he says the, uh, the operating hours of the hotel are from the middle of May to October 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially the Torrance family are arriving at Halloween. Um, and it's the same, it's the oh. same motif. It's, it's the death of the sun, the winter's coming, the darkness reigns, hence the, the ghouls and the demons and the evil ghosts can terrorize the family and the overlook. Right. Um, so that's all psychological. Um, you know, you know, Friedkin and, and Kubrick aren't going to put it at the bottom of the screen, you know, October 31st and a year. Um, they do it like that. They, it, it's, it's very subtle and it's very psychological. And of course, if, if you're familiar with Kabbalism and Christian Kabbalism, it's offshoot. Um, any, any sort of demon is, 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 mm-hmm. is, um, associates with fire and air. Um, and of course, because they associate with air, um, and this works its way into Dante's Inferno, um, anytime a demon's nearby, it's frigid. It's, it's very, very cold. The fire element is suppressed mm. and it's very, very frigid. And of course, we see this in The Exorcist whenever, you know, they go into the little girl's room, it's freezing. You can see your breath, um, things like that. Right, and guess that right. comes out of the world of Jewish Kabbalism. And, and that's picked up in Dante's Inferno where, um, you know, the deeper they go into the inferno, the free, the colder it gets, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. Um, I mean, we have we have loads of, of subtle Christ references in, in, in the Exorcist. Um, th- this surrounds the Damien Carist uh, Jesuit figure, um, who is going to be the little girl's uh, personal Jesus, uh, as Depeche Mode saying. And we, we have we have we have Christ imagery. Um, he 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 does it. Friedkin does it very subtle. Um, he uses he uses the number thirty three um, to, to to transfer this. And when when Karis, um first appears on screen he's ascending you, you always find that with Karis. generally in the movie he's always going in a state of ascent he's going up a flight of steps up a road oh, um he, he's, he's generally that. yeah he's generally in ascent and um when 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 he's introduced he's ascending onto the subway platform from uh 33rd street um and of course the 33 is a reference to jesus christ um that's how old he was when he was crucified mm-hmm. um there there's another a great thing on this and you know you know shane i have to tell you i've watched this movie a thousand times and i, and I never picked up on this and it's, it's always one of those things that um I, I let it go by me and finally one day i was watching and i thought you know what what the hell are they saying here um it's the scene where um, it's Chris McNeil's uh, party. This is the, the, the scene where... Um, oh, she comes down know, the stairs? 
Right. And she comes down yeah, and pees. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, right. And it's, it's actually right before that, right before she comes down is they're all standing around a piano and they're singing. Um, they're doing this little, you know, little number. And I forget the name of the song. I, I wrote it down, but I forget it. But, but one of the lyrics they're saying, and, and this has just gone by, this just went by me all these years is, is they're saying something to the effect of toity toyed on toyed. And hmm. uh, if you go back and watch it, um, that's exactly what they're saying. And finally, one day I said, well, you know, I went on, you know, did what anyone else would do. I went into Google and said, you know, what are they saying? What are they singing in this song? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what, what that line is, toity toyed and toyed is 1930s, 20s, New York slang for 33rd and 3rd Street. Oh, um, I'll be damned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, right. I didn't know that either. And, and that's another 33rd reference, uh, you know, that, that's, that he really subtly sneaks in there. So, I mean, that's some of the stuff going on in The Exorcist. I, I could continue on with it. Um, you know, I know you wanted to cover other movies, but, um, you know, and the one I'll just I'll just end on this. And, mm-hmm. and, and this is something that's um, other film directors have picked up on is um, and, and Ari Aster more than anyone. The guy who did Midsommar and Hereditary and Hereditary, a movie about demonic possession, um, has all yeah. sorts of references to The Exorcist in it. I mean, they're all over the damn place. I, I, I noticed a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. well placed for sure. Yeah, we we can get into that a little bit if you want to because that that's that's a fun topic also. But in, in The Exorcist, um, one of the things that uh, Friedkin does and it's fantastic is one of the greatest examples of foreshadowing in a movie I've ever seen. It's absolutely intentional, and um, it's the scene. Um, in the language lab where Karis is talking to the guy and he says, he's playing the tape and he says, oh yeah, this is a language. It's only English in reverse. Well, when you watch that scene, um, there's a sign over the window when the camera's focusing in and it's a Japanese word and you can see it clear as day mm-hmm. and it's Tuskuge or Tuskede, I believe it is. And um, if you look up that word, it means it's, it's Japanese for help me. Oh, and of, of, of course, of course, you know where I'm going with this. The very next scene is when Karis goes into the house and the little girl has helped me, you know, protruding from her belly. Yep. Um, you know, so, so a, a great, a great um, example of foreshadowing there. And Ari Aster really picks this up. Um, in some of his movies, when you watch his movies, his movies are all about foreshadowing anticipation. Um, but again, Exorcist, classic movie, classic car movie. Always great to watch at Halloween. Uh, it's amazing. And it's one of my, well, number one, it's, it's one of the, the, the big 10, right? I mean, you know, from history, I mean, it's, oh, of course. it's amazing. Yeah. I'm kind of connected to it. This sounds dumb, but you know, I, I was born in 73 and I remember as a kid, you know, just wanting to, like, it was just amazing. Um, quick question before we move on, because I'm, I'm more curious than anything. And I believe the director or the guy that uh, put together the last Halloween ends, I believe is doing the exorcist reboot. I think, um, what are you expecting from that? Are you expecting, do you think it's going to have some of the same hidden meanings in there? Or do you think maybe some of these reboots don't quite, don't quite portray the same thing as some of the older, older movies do? Yeah. I mean, um, I liked his Halloween movies. I thought they were very good. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll answer your question. I, I, the one thing you were talking about with Halloween ends, and I'll just say this real quick mm-hmm. is the people who are complaining about it saying Michael's not in it enough. Here's the problem is if if you want a movie where Michael is gone, if you want a movie where it's a sequel where my, Michael has been gone for a while, he shows up and starts terrorizing Laurie and killing those around her. I mean, that movie's been made. It's called Halloween H2O. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, so if you want to watch that, if you want to see that, go watch H2O. If, if they had taken that direction with Halloween Ends, 
all these people complaining Michael's not in it enough would have all been saying, oh, this is just a remake of H2O. Right. So right. I like the direction of it. As far as David Gordon Green goes, I was not aware they were doing an Exorcist remake or reboot. Um, these mm-hmm. things scare me um, because they usually are, are very good or very bad. Right. Um, right. There's almost no middle ground with them. Um, I mean, I know, I know years ago, I remember when I was in law school, um, they did a, a Psycho remake. Um, starring Vince Vaughn, and it's yeah. one of the worst movies yeah. you'll oh ever see. Oh my god, I know. I and tried to watch it. Ugh. Yeah. It, it is. It is. It is miscast. It is terrible. Mm. And these things can fall into that trap. So you know, I don't know what he's going to do. Is if is, is it going to be a remake? Is it going to be brought up to speed? I mean, you know, it could be great, um, but it could also fall flat on its face. I mean, only time will tell. I, I very much like the Halloween trilogy he just did, so I'll give him the benefit uh-huh. of the doubt. But, um, you know, when, when you're doing stuff like that, especially when you're tinkering with a movie that is all but perfect, yeah. Um, yeah, such exactly. as The Exorcist is, yeah. you know, you know. I mean, I remember a few years ago, this was, well, a few years ago now, this is about, let's see, about 16, 17 years ago, they did the remake of The Omen movie. Uh, the I, very I first that. one. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this was like in 2006, seven, somewhere in there. And I watched it and it was okay. It's not bad, but you kind of left scratching your head. Like, was this necessary? You know, right. why right. kind of do this? Um, and, and, and that's sort of the danger with some of this stuff. Um, if it can be re-envisioned or maybe reimagined a little bit or tweaked. Um, like I said, I'm always willing to give, give the director and the producer and the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt, but I've seen lots of these fall, fall fat, fall fat, you yeah. know, you know, yeah. just disappoint. So yeah, very, very few reboots actually. Um, I, I like, I'll be honest with you. I, I feel like they, they just missed the mark on them. Um, the one that, that is one of my faves. I, and, and I personally think, and just because maybe I'm a fan, um, not really horror, but it's kind of in the same genre, uh, was the ghostbusters afterlife. I think they did a tremendous job with the characters, building the story, building the arc. I, I think if they're going to come up with something, that was what they needed to come up with it. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but very, very few reboots um, I'm on board with. And I know that they, uh, I believe I caught news today that they just started filming this new exorcist reboot today. So, eh, Oh wow. I don't know. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what that leads to. What, what, what's funny with, with you mentioned ghostbusters afterlife. I like uh-huh. that also. I actually, I'm going to analyze that in CS4. Oh, I, mean, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you all the Easter eggs in this damn thing. Oh my thing. God. It's crazy. I, I, and they, yeah. they present in this, it's in the first one, but they do it 10 times better in this one, is the whole idea of um, of of Gozer being androgynous. You know, it's uh-huh. a union of male and female. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vince Cortho and Zool. Um, and they do that. They do a much better idea of this hermetic androgynine demon um, in, in this movie than they did in the first one. Um, I like Ghostbusters. I mean, I love the references to the Wizard of Oz, to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm-hmm. uh, very subtle. Um, I thought that was great. I, 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 um, with, with Afterlife, I think the reason it's successful is he learned from the Star Wars episode um, seven movie, The Force Awakens, where it's like, okay, look, the original cast, we'll turn them into the elders now and we'll just hand it off to a younger cast. Right, right, right. I, I think it works. I mean, I kind of liked it. Um, I mean, Ghostbusters Afterlife is kind of almost like a remake of Ghostbusters sure, 84. Sure. 
but but like you said, there was enough there and it was entertaining. Um, so I, I liked it. I, I didn't have a problem with it. And the thing I liked about that movie was, and anytime you know I see homages and it's the things like The Wizard of Oz or Close Encounters, uh, that always sort of whets my appetite. I know there's a lot going on in it. Yeah, yeah and it's amazing. And I, just one last note on Ghostbusters. We can kind of move on. Was you know you mentioned the Easter eggs. I mean, right down to like the toaster that they find oh, in, the, sure. in the kitchen counter in the back was the same toaster off too. I mean, just yeah, it's a little right. tiny things. That man, the, the the director, they take time to put this on here, and, and and you know, and I in the back of my mind, I've got to think that they're pretty pretty proud of themselves when the fans do pick up on these things and they do see these things because you know their their work doesn't go to fruition, you know. So j- just absolutely amazing. Um, so you talk, you mentioned real quick, and I, I think that's a great jumping point. You know, we talked about Exorcist. Uh, you mentioned real quick, Shiny. Uh, I, another, uh, just a fantastic movie, Stanley, Co- just outdone as far as I, I don't think there's anything personally that of course I'm, I'm prejudiced cause I love horror movies, but I don't think he's done anything as good as the shining. Um, of course, bringing Stephen King's book to life. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. I, I'm curious on your viewpoints there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is one that's just overloaded with, you know, all sorts of themes and, 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 you know, imagery. Um, I mean, the one thing with The Shining that that Kubrick just goes out of his way to blast your subconscious mind with is repetition and doubles and mm-hmm. duality. Mm-hmm. And and the whole idea behind this, the motivation behind this is he is trying to convey to you, to you, the viewer, us, the viewer, um, that the Overlook Hotel is essentially an Ouroboros. It's a serpent biting its tail. It's this vicious reincarnation oh. cycle that never ends. Um, so in order to, to convey this repetition, he repeats everything. Uh, numbers repeat. Um, you know, you know, the number 12, he picks numbers and repeats them. The numbers in themselves have, um, some meaning. It's more complex. But like, for example, he and a lot of times they tie into the Bible and and, and religious, mm-hmm. like the number twelve. Right. Um, he repeats the number twelve all, all over the place. I mean, Jack hits the door with the axe twelve times. He throws the ball against the wall twelve times. Um, Shelley Duvall and the kid take twelve turns in the in the hedge maze. Um, th- oh, this wow. is a number that repeats. He he just is constantly repeating everything to you um, over and over and over again. I mean, he has two sets of twins, the little girl and the, um, uh, you know, the little girl and the, uh, and then the two old, the two older girls when Almond's showing um, the, the Torrance's their room. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We, you know, we get that. We were talking off air with the shining. I mean, it is this sort of haunted house classic. Um, I, I loved it at the beginning uh, um, of, of the movie. Um, you know, he uses um, the blue credits and uh, that, that's that, that's strange. There's a reason for that. If, if you noticed, and we were talking about this, if you watch Halloween Ends, they use the blue credits. Um, I, I that's caught a, that. yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a direct reference to the Halloween three credits. Um, hmm. But it's also a reference to The Shining, of course, because, you know, what's Laurie Strode? Well, she's the reclusive writer now. So this is, you know, a reference to The Shining. And of course, it's a reference to Psycho, which all the Halloween movies are based upon. Um, it's Periwinkle Blue, which was Mrs. Bates's favorite color. And of course, this oh, wow. turned, this this turns up in ho- remember this turns up in Halloween's ends with the domineering mother of Corey, and of course she wears the periwinkle blue nightgown. Um, she's of course the 
new Mrs. Bates. Um, so I thought that was very good. But 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 The Shining is just a, a classic. I mean, and then you've got the whole conspiracy with the moon landing. Um, I you was know, had you beat me to the punch, Robert. I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on that. Well, well, well yeah. here here's what make here's what makes this so interesting is, um, and there definitely seems to be some you know where there's smoke, there's some fire. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this is the scene where the little boy, Danny, wears the Apollo 11 sweatshirt. Right, he stands right. up and goes to room 237 in the book. Um, and of course, if you add 237, um, you get the, you, you get the number, uh, 14. Was it two plus three? It's, you get the number, uh, no, 12 again. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah, you get the number 12 again. And in, in the book, it's another number. I think it's 217 in, in the book. And he changed it to 237 um, because in the late in the late 70s, early 80s, that's the distance from the Earth to the moon was 237,000 miles. Um, and of course, this is why Apollo 11 is going, is going to 237. And of course, the implication is that um, Kubrick was retained by NASA um, to stage the moon landing footage, right. whether whether they went went to the the moon or not um, is debatable. But you know the idea was they couldn't film there, so they had Kubrick based on his work on Strange Love on two thousand one. You know on on uh, what's the other one on? Um, oh, it's escaping me. Um, there's another movie in there. Um, uh, you know, Clockwork Orange was that a, uh, maybe Kubrick? maybe a Clockwork Orange? It could right. have been. It was. It's it's Strange Love and two thousand one. I know I know those oh, two. Okay. Okay, but 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 you know they used him to, to film the moon the, the moon footage of the guys hopping around, and of course, believe it or not, this actually turns up in a James Bond movie. Um, have you ever it seen does. Diamonds Are Yeah Diamonds <laughs> Are Forever? Yeah, yeah, which is the last which is the last canical Sean Connery. You know he goes into the top secret you know gov- government lab out in the Nevada desert, which is obviously supposed to be Area Fifty One, right, and breaks right. into the studio where they're filming the moon landing. Um, but yeah, but what what makes this so interesting, Shane, is that. Um, like I said, there's some fire to this, the smoke fire. Um, a lot of people aren't aware of this. The movie that Kubrick did before The Shining was a movie. It was a movie about the Napoleonic, you know, wars, the Napoleonic era, called Barry Lyndon. Hmm. And when he filmed that, he he wanted to light scenes entirely by candlelight. Um, and of course, if you know anything about filmmaking, it can't be done. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. it, it's too dark. It doesn't work. Um, anytime you see a candle burning, there's always a, a, a light off, off camera, high, you know, illuminating the room. Right, right. When they blow the candle out, they turn the light off with it. Um, go back and watch any of the old universal horror movies. You'll see it a million times. Kubrick wanted to change that and he wanted to film strictly by candlelight. Well, believe it or not, NASA had developed a lens that allowed that to happen. Um, and they lent it to Kubrick. Um, yeah. I mean, so, you know, you know, why is NASA lending Kubrick its lenses? I mean, of course the question answers itself. It's because he worked for him. I mean, you know, I mean, he did the moon landing footage. So, oh yeah, here you want to use our lendage, you know, use our lenses to film, you know, scenes for your new movie strictly by candlelight. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's sort of, yeah, that's sort of the smoking gun with this is Kubrick was using NASA of technology to film Barry Lyndon. So is it that much of a stretch to suggest that he, you know, filmed the moon landing? Probably not. And is this too much of a suggest- suggestion that, you know, he's putting this in The Shining? You know, it's very, very possible. Yeah. No, amazing. And, and like I said, you know, not to you know, go too far off the beaten path, but, you know, the whole moon landing with Kubrick is, uh, it's fascinating. I, I think there's a book out there that I want to pick up and read that kind of details it. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's an amazing director as it, as he stands on his own. 2001 was just phenomenal. I mean, the, the, the scenes, the cinematography, you know, how they did everything was just, ah, yeah, mind bugging. But Shining is definitely a go-to. I, I think one of the best, um, uh, definitely one of the best Stephen King adaptations that, that I've ever seen put to film. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, Kubrick is one of those guys. I mean, he's a real master at this. He loves repeating things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is one of the most, repetition is one of the most, art. it's what's something known as the art of memory. It, it's an mm-hmm. old, old way of, of embedding things in your mind. And, and it turns up in movies and it turns up in narratives. And one of the ways to embed something in, in, in your mind subconsciously is to repeat it. Um, right. And and you you find this in 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 if if you if you are aware of it you can start spotting it and I'll give you some examples for example in, with Kubrick in um, a Full Metal Jacket if you've watched that movie it basically takes place in two halves you've got the Paris Island boot camp part and then you've got the part in Vietnam how does the part in Vietnam excuse me in the boot camp and it ends with Hartman screaming at 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 Gomer Pyle in the bathroom and I'm not going to repeat the line I'll keep it family friendly but he says something like I'm not going to tolerate this Mickey Mouse blankety blank Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and he, he invokes Mickey Mouse well how does the end of the vietnam section it's with all the soldiers singing the mickey mouse theme um (laughs) right that that's repetition it's very subtle but that embeds it in your head and you're not even aware of it Mm -hmm. um another example is the one we were just talking about is halloween ends where jamie lee curtis towards the beginning is trying to carve the pumpkin and she takes the pumpkin guts and throws them on the floor mm-hmm. about an hour and a half later when she I'm, I'm spoiling here so heads up if, you, if you're listening and you haven't seen it i'm yeah, dropping yeah, a yeah, pause and when, go fast forward yeah. 20 seconds <laughs> right so. when, when she when she does the fake suicide and she shoots the pumpkin the pumpkin pulp splatters in the exact same way that's an occult mnemonic okay that that's mm. that's designed to embed that movie in your head. I, I can give you, the, the, I can give you countless examples of this. Another one, since we're on horror movies is the witch, uh, Roger Eggers. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and this is, this is, this is, yeah, it's a great film. This is the movie where the demonic black Philip, the Billy goat um, is terrorizing the Puritan family. Well, if you pay attention to this, the, 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 the patriarch of the family, William becomes um, obsessed with wood splitting. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, it becomes, it, you know, you'll, you'll find it in, in the movie if you watch it. And it's, it's very prevalent. This is another occult mnemonic. Um, and that, that is intentionally designed to conjure the Amityville horror where the patriarch in that family who's being terrorized by the devil, by these demonic forces also becomes obsessed with wood splitting. So it's, it's very subconscious, but mm. that's how these sorcerers in Hollywood work is they use this imagery and they use it subconsciously to draw in um, this imagery from another film that's related to it. And it, it puts it in your subconscious mind. It's, it's very clever. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's amazing. It makes you wonder all that work to try to, to do that. That's just insane. Um, you mentioned, actually, it's not on my list. And I don't know if you want to talk about it. And you know, but again, you know, you can, I picked the first two, I guess you can keep going, but uh, Amityville horror. You know, that was another one that was absolutely like it was it was well done. It was captivating. Uh, I saw it way, way too young, to be honest with you. And it yeah. scarred me, I think, for life. Um, what's your viewpoints on that? Well, th- that that's one of those movies where, you know, is it is it you know, is it real or, you know, is it, um, you know, a, a hoax? Mm-hmm. Um you know, the one thing that's true with it, I'm like you, I was born in 71. So I saw Amityville too young. I saw the shining too young yep. and I saw yep. the exorcist when I was too young. And those three movies just scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, and um, the, well, the one thing that was absolutely true with the Amityville horror was the DeFeo murders. Um, that absolutely happened. Yep. Um, 100%. And, and 
the one thing that was interesting with those with those murders was um, when he, when he killed his family in, in that house, um, it was and, and this this I think is hinted at in one of the in one of the Conjuring movies. Maybe Conjuring Two is um, the the sound was muffled. No one heard anything. Thank I mean, if, if this if this guy is walking around picking off his family with a shotgun um, in the middle of the night, you would have thought a neighbor would have heard something, um, but no one heard anything. And if you're familiar with the occult, there 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 is a, a theory in the occult. Whenever there's a very evil presence nearby, sound is muffled or distorted. Right. Um, and and the theory was that whatever this evil force was in this house was suppressing the sound going on. That's why that's why no one knew it was going on. No one was hearing the gunshot. Um, so that's, of course, one of the theories with it. But the, the Feo murder was real. I think, don't hold me to this, I think Ronnie DeFeo just died, but I'm not I, sure I that. It, I, yeah, I think I heard yeah. that too. And, and that, and that you, you hit it right head on, Robert. I mean, that was one of the things that I never could get past. I'm like, wait a minute, he's walking around with a gun. Yeah. Once the first shot goes out, you don't think that sisters or somebody's going to wake up? Like it just was it weird. It just it doesn't fit, and it never no. has for me. Yeah. If I mean, if you're walking around in a house with two parents of like whatever it was three mm-hmm. brothers and two other daughters, there's a big family. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, and you're you're peeling off shotgun rounds. I mean, there's no way possible it's not going to wake up the other members of the family. Right. Um, but it didn't. And again, the theory is within the world of the occult you know demonology whenever you have this hardcore demonic presence you know it's, it's it suppresses or, or distorts sound um so that's why none of the family members were alerted to what ronnie was doing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean you know uh, it's been a while since i've you know watched amityville horror um i like the movie my critique is it works and it doesn't work is rod steiger just I mean, completely overacts that movie. I oh, mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, he must have just gone into this thing. Is all right. Let me just act kind of like just completely off the rails, and maybe it'll work. I think it does work, but I mean, he just so completely overacts that movie. Um, but it is a good movie. It's 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 cool to see Margot Kidder, you know, in a late seventies movie that isn't Superman. Right. Um, right. So yeah. you know, it does work on that uh, that effect. You know, I mean, again, Amityville Horror, one of those classics at Halloween, no question about it. But for sure, and I, and I think just to wrap up on on the and not necessarily the movie, but there's just a story of Amityville itself. Um, it's weird, you know, so they had such a problem with it, but they're really the other families that have moved in after the fact, even right up to present has, they've never had an issue. Like they just never, yeah. you know, so I don't know. It, it, it's the jury's out on, it, I suppose, on, on like which way you want to want to go with it. And again, you know, back to reboots. I, I don't think the reboot was done well. And I, I think they absolutely tried to cash grab for that entire chain of, you know, Amityville 3D and, you know, all these other after. They just really kind of they really milked it dry. And, and I think and maybe in a little way ruined the, the whole Amityville, you know, thing for most people anyway, just by doing that. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates.
after the first one, I mean, this this is, you know, one of the things I like about the Halloween movies mm-hmm. um, and I liked about the Conjuring movies is the sequels were very good. I mean, you look yeah. at like The Exorcist, the sequel sucked. You look at Amityville, sequel sucked. Um, and, you know, but like, you know, if you look at, I mean, the one thing that, you know, we going back in time, um, when you look at the original Halloween from 78, mm-hmm. there are many Halloween fans who will actually tell you that the second one from 1981 is better than the first one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I like, I think Halloween 2 is a very, very good sequel. Um, I don't know if I'm willing to say it's better than the first one, but for a horror movie sequel, Halloween 2... Sequel, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does a lot of things yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, re- it it keeps the original cast. It introduces new casts that are mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. It takes place the instant that the first one leaves off, and it continues the story in a logical way. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think it's a very, very good horror sequel. Is Halloween too? So let's let's piggyback on that a little bit. I, what's your um, <laughs> what's your viewpoint on Halloween three? That really wasn't anything to do. Like it was its own weird standalone thing. But I, I thought in its own right, Halloween three was good. It just didn't have anything to do with any other ones. What's your what's your viewpoint on that? Well, here's my take on Halloween three. I love Halloween three. I, I think it's a fantastic movie. I understand why it was derailed because of course it bears the name Halloween and Michael Myers isn't in it. Right. Um but as a, as a horror movie, I think it's fantastic. That movie is overloaded with stuff. I mean, it's one of the very early movies that fuses witchcraft with the computer age. Mm-hmm. Um, Evil Speak is the other one. Um, the, the movie is overloaded with lunar symbolism. Pay attention. You'll find number 33, which has to do with the lunar, lunar cycle. Um, and, of course, Connell Cochran, C.C., C is the third letter of the alphabet. Colonel Cochran, CC 33. Um, if you watch the new Halloween ends movie, um, the blue um, credits are a reference to Halloween three. And it's the whole idea of the mask being evil, the mask being the embodiment of the evil. Mm-hmm. And of course we have the homage with the name Corey Cunningham, Connell Cochran, CC 33. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you pay attention to, um, Halloween ends. It is nothing but tarot symbolism from start to finish. Hmm. Um, and, uh, this is something that's going in cinema symbolism three, uh, cinema symbolism four, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Getting back to, getting back to Halloween three. I love the movie. Um, I understand why. I mean, as a kid watching it, um, it was one of those movies for me where everyone was saying you shouldn't like it, but I did for some reason. And again, I understand why it was so polarizing, of course, um, because Michael Myers isn't in it. I can report, and I'm sure you know this as well, that the movie has undergone a total renaissance in the last five years. I mean, people absolutely oh, love yeah. it. Oh. I mean, I mean, I mean, the, the movie is just today, you know, just lauded as this horror classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, one of the real reasons I like it so much is it's really one of the first movies that does deal with the idea of the occult witchcraft meeting the computer age. Um, so I, I like that as well. And of course, um, you know, Connell Cochran, just such a great villain. I mean, you know, you know, the James Bond villain that, you know, gets away with it, essentially. Right, right. right. Um, (laughs) You know, you know, I mean, Goldfinger, Dr. No, Blofeld, uh, Stromberg, these guys always seem to fail. You know, Cochran pulls it off. Yeah. You know, at least, you know, you're led to believe that he could have. Um, so so I, I really like Halloween three. Um, give it if, you, if you've never watched, it, if you're listening, give it a give it a watch. I mean, it's, it's a it's a great standalone horror movie. Um, and again, it, 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 it's a blessed and it's cursed because it got made because of the Halloween um, name being in the title. But of course, that's what also doomed it at the box sure, office. It, it, it did. And I think if I remember right reading the stories on it, I think 
the original plan was to just do a trilogy of Halloween, end it, that was it. And then, of course, you know, they picked it back up again. They continued, you know, same thing to kind of, you know, milk it as far as they can milk it. Um, I guess from that, well, hey, you know, let's not keep our listeners witty. I mean, you, we, we're talking about Halloween. We're talking about, let's move into Halloween ends. Let's talk about what your viewpoints are on that new show. Right. I mean, I mean, when I watched the, the this is this is the the three movies that it's Halloween eighteen, Halloween kills, and now ends. These are the three movies that sort of retcon out everything but the original Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. I think these are very very good movies. I analyzed Halloween eighteen in the last movie book. Of course, the other two movies hadn't come out yet. I've watched kills. I have kills here on Blu Ray. I've watched ends twice now. I absolutely love them. I mean, I, th- I thought they were great movies. I mean, are they perfect? No. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no such thing really as perfection. Right, it, right, right. It, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it just doesn't exist. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, Halloween kills. I get it. Evil dies tonight. I don't have to hear it again for the millionth time. <laughs> right. um, but I love kill. I loved ends. Um, I love the way they did the story. The movie, I guess I'll, have to put the spoiler alert on right now. So I'm going to talk a little spoilers here. The the movie, the movie, in my opinion, um, I I got this very strong David Lynch vibe coming off of it. Hmm. I mean, it really starts when he says to, this is when the Corey Cunningham character says to the um, Allison character, um, this is Andy Matichuk. um, This is Laurie's granddaughter. um, He says something to the effect of, I killed somebody. I I killed a person. Um, and you are led to believe that he's talking about the, the bum mm-hmm. um, who is sort of the thrall for Michael Myers, sort of Michael Myers uh, keeper, uh, as it were. And, 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 and by the way, I should say I should point this out. You know, we talked about the Ghostbusters movies. Mm-hmm. There, there are all sorts of homages in ends to other John Carpenter's movies. I mean, we have the radio station with the fog. Yep. We've got yep. the bum being the keeper of evil. That's Prince of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 you know, loads, loads of homages to, to other horror movies in this thing. Um, but when he says to, to, to Alice that I've killed somebody, they immediately go back to the kid, um, from right. the opening sequence. And you're led to believe at that point that he murdered him, that, that, you know, that it wasn't an accident. That's right, what right. I got out of it. And then you get them riding around, you get this entire Charles Starkweather sort of serial killer feel to this thing where she's exploring her, her dark side. He's exploring his dark side. I mean, we get the headlights going down the open road. One can't think of Lost Highway, uh, of David oh, Lynch. I mean, that's, the nice. first, that, okay. that's the first thing that comes to mind. And then they, they, you're, you're getting into this whole thing. You know, I mean, the whole thing takes on this David Lynch, Black Swan, Jungian shadow movie where okay you know where where where, where is is it the the scene where Corey goes in and takes the mask from Michael Myers isn't this Luke Skywalker going into the cave on Dagobah and finding Darth Vader is okay. Michael Myers even there or is Michael Myers a figment of his imagination at right, this point right you know, I mean, okay, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, is, okay. is is what is real in this thing and what is being imagined? Right, and right. I mean, it, you you get this entire David Lynch vibe with this thing, where what's real and what isn't? Is Laurie sitting in the chair when he wakes up, or is he imagining it? Mm-hmm. Is Michael Myers there, or is this some sort of ex? You know, where Luke goes into the cave, knocks down Darth Vader, and it's himself. And it's the same thing as Corey going in to this, this little, you know, 
sewage area, sewer, sewer pipe, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. coming out as Michael Myers, you know, confronting his dark side, only failing. Damn um, it, Robert. Now I got to go back and watch it now that I, you're, <laughs> you're saying yeah, all I mean, these well, things. Well, you know? well, 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 you see, the, the, this to me, what I'm talking about, this to me made the movie great. People are not liking it, oh, because Michael Myers is only in the last 10 minutes. I loved it. Uh, any, I thought it was great. Any time that I can get into a movie that has tarot imagery, I mean, mm-hmm. I just put this up on my website. The whole thing is the tarot deck. Mm-hmm. Remember when she pins him down um, to the table? That's the devil card with oh, the one arm up, the one okay. arm down. Yeah, yeah. Michael Myers is evil. You know, that's he's the devil card. Right, you have right. uh, the Kylie Richardson uh, character. I forget the name of it. Lindsay Wallace playing around with tarot. I mean, they're telling you, wow. hey, you know, we, we are dealing with tarot cards here. I can't believe uh, we're I dealing with all of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're dealing crazy. with we're dealing with archetypal imagery. Sure. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, anytime a movie is, is getting into this kind of territory, I mean, this is the sort of movie I salivate for. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I really loved Halloween's Ends. Um, if you're if, you know, the fact that Michael Myers is only in the last 10 minutes, I could have cared less. Anytime I'm dealing with a movie that's dealing with the exploration of the young Ian shadow, mm-hmm, tarot mm-hmm. cards, the archetypes. This is like right up my alley. So, yeah, I love the three Halloween movies. I love the Halloween Ends. Um, and. You know, this, this will be definitely something I will be putting in cinema symbolism for. I, I can't wait. No, I, I mean, and you know, you say those things, and now, and number one, just for me, you know, being a layman, because I sometimes I'll look for symbolism in movies. Sometimes I just watch movies just to watch the movie. But with Halloween Ends, I really I loved how it began. It brought that new character into it. It brought the the teenager and what happened, and then flashback and and just how it set up initially and unfolded was was amazing. Um, so I got one for you. I want to talk about yes. this because this is one of my favorite shows of all time. And and see, so I'm I'm a I'm, I'm a little like you. I enjoy a movie with a certain premise with a certain topic. I'm not really a slasher guy. You know, I could do without the Friday the 13th and stuff like that, although I'm sure there's symbolism in those as well. But I really enjoy the movies that deal directly with the cult and they and they have that real world occult mixed into it. Um, what are your views with the ninth gate? Which would be a Johnny Depp movie? Oh, I think. my my goodness gracious! Yeah, I mean, this is this is Polanski, and again, you know, again, we are dealing with one of the grandmasters when mm-hmm. it comes to mm-hmm. uh, symbolism. I love that movie. Um, I mean, there is so much going on in it. Um, I mean, the, the whole the whole Ninth Gate concept comes from Hebrew Kabbalah, the Sephirah. Right, right. Um, this is this filters into Christian Kabbalism, spelled with a C, not the K. Um, they're called the celestial hierarchies. Um, there are nine levels of spiritual purification that the soul must progress through. That's why there are nine gates to the kingdom of shadows. That's why in Dante's Inferno, there are nine levels of the Inferno, uh, of nine levels of hell. Did um, they turn up in Islam? They're known as the dignities of God. Um, so, so we're, we're getting we're dealing with a lot of arcane symbolism. If you watch the movie, you will find a little bus of Dante Alighieri all over the place. Um, oh, I missed that. Okay. Huh. Yeah. In the, in the guy's bookstore. Um, and again, we're dealing with a lot of, you know, anytime, you know, I mean, the books are, you know, you know, we got Rosicrucian symbolism. I mean, the engravings, you know, tarot cards, Luther's Bible, um, the guy, the bookseller, Bernie is hung like the hangman, the tarot card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're dealing with a lot of, you know, archetypal imagery. Um, if, if you pay attention to this very, very carefully, the, the woman who is Lucifer, um, is 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 very beautiful Mm -hmm. lucifer is venus and of course venus is aphrodite and venus and aphrodite are the beautiful love goddess lucifer associates with the planet venus because it rises before the sun 
if you look out in the east every morning, most of the time you see Venus sitting there and the sun coming up right behind it. The reason why Venus associates with the with Lucifer is it's a bearer of it's false light. It's the bringer of the true light, which is the sun, but in and of itself, it's false light. That's why Venus associates with Lucifer. Of course, Venus in the Greco-Roman Roman pantheon is the beautiful woman, uh, the goddess of love. Hence, Lucifer okay. appears as the beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. If you really have the eye, and you have to really have the eye, the Neoplatonic eye for this. Um, you, you think back on the Botticelli painting of Venus, um, the beautiful woman emerging from the ocean naked from the seashell. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yep, yep. Okay, now if you watch the Ninth Gate and you've got the eye for it, you will always see the Lucifer, Venus, Aphrodite, devil, female woman in front of a shell gas station. Interesting, um, okay. and that and wow. that is intentionally designed to conjure the Botticelli painting that Lucifer is not only the devil, but it's this beautiful woman. Yeah. Um, very, very clever, Crazy. clever of the filmmakers, um, and uh, a great, great movie. I analyzed uh, the Ninth Gate in the Royal Arch of Enoch book, and there was so much going on in it um, that I reanalyzed it. I believe in cinema symbolism too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, great, so, great, so film. much there. No, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm glad you loved it as much as I did. I mean, that, that's one of my go-to's. Prince of Darkness is one of my go-to's. Event Horizon is one of my go-to's. Like there's just certain movies that just have always sat with me a certain way. Um, and, and those are it. So, you know, looking at the time, Robert, again, you know, I, I know we're limited a little bit on time and, and I, and I feel bad. I apologize because I've been, I've been throwing these movies out at you and, and I want to, you know, do we have time for you to kind of, kind of handpick one of your favorites and, and you can discuss that? Yeah, I mean, one of one of my all time favorite horror movies and Halloween movies um, is Trick or Treat. Oh, um, I love Trick or Treat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Th- this is one of my all time favorite Halloween movies and horror movies. It's sort of like the Pulp Fiction of Halloween movies mm-hmm. um, because it has these interconnecting storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, anthologies that, that, that fit together, and yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. an anthology that fits together. I love this movie. Um, if you have not watched it, by oh, and you're in the horror or just Halloween movies. By all means, watch Trick or Treat. It's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I always break it up this time of the year. It's one of my go-tos, as you said. Um, you know, you like Prince of Darkness. Um, Trick or Treat is that for me. I, I am constantly putting that on this time of the year. Um, there is, I, I love, I mean, there's some symbolism in it. I love how the movie depicts the four phases of Halloween over the, over the person's life. I right, mean, you've got right, right. the child trick-or-treating mm-hmm. you've got the young adolescent pranksters you've got the 20s 30 somethings where it's a party night and then you've got the older or the old age where you want to stay away from halloween and avoid it at all costs yep, yep. and it covers um, the whole I, I just gamut. love the, it's just amazing yeah, i just love and i love the way um i mean there's just it's again it's just craftsmanship i love um when um, at the very beginning of the movie, uh, when the woman is putting away the trick or treat decorations at the very or the trick, yeah, the Halloween oh, yeah, decorations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you pay attention to this, that's the end of the movie. Is if you remember this, the movie ends there. Watch the very beginning of the movie, oh, and okay. when they when they come, remember the beginning of the movie is where it ends. Mm-hmm. If you watch, I'm going to spoil this a little bit. If you watch the beginning of the movie, um, and this is when I think it's uh, Emma something or another is taking down the Halloween decorations from her house. They got the whole house decked out. Yeah, yeah. You right. This is the scene where across the street, Krieg is being killed. That's by, right. If you watch very carefully, there's a scene where she cuts, she looks across the street and you'll see the ghost children leaving the house if they're just murdering Krieg. Um, it's very subtle. 
you miss it in a oh, heartbeat. Yeah, but, I, but, I miss but, that. But, but when you watch the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where she looks across the street and you'll see the seven ghosts le- walking down the sidewalk after having just murdered Krieg. This, if you watch Halloween Ends, wow. same thing. When Corey Cunningham goes over the bridge and they show the bomb, keep an eye out for the left hand of the screen. You'll see Michael Myers coming out of the woods to grab him and drag him off. It's a split second, huh. but he's there. I'll be damned. I'll be, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up Trick or Treat because that I've... I don't forget it. That's one of my favorites too. I, I've been waiting for Brian Doherty to do a part two. I know he also did Krampus. Krampus was a was a it's fantastic horror movie too. I love Absolutely, that. yeah. Um, so I I told you I'd let you go, but I have a couple more things for you. Now you oh, go ahead. No, I'm in no I'm rush. So sorry. Um, no, I'm in a rush. So one of my go tos, and and just because I just as an artist, I I have a lot of respect for him for what he's accomplished, not only musically but as a director. Um, Rob Zombie. Of course, you know, he did the remakes of Halloween, did one and two. He had a different take on it. And House of a Thousand Corpses is one of my go-to. Like, I just love the old 70s set with the boxes and the, you know, how he, what's your opinion? I guess not really as many of the movies, unless you want to kind of elaborate on them, but Rob Zombie as as a director and what he puts towards the whole horror genre. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a, pro- I mean, you know, he, he I, I've never seen House of a Thousand Corpses. The Halloween remakes he did, I'm torn with. I mean, again, the, the first one's not bad, but again, it begs the question as to why do it. And right. I think he right. kind of missed the point with it a little bit where Carpenter criticized him for this. And I think Carpenter was one of the, he said, he exposes too much of Michael Myers. Michael Myers works as a force right. of nature. Right. You know, I, I don't need to know about his mother and his upbringing. Michael Myers works so much better as a force of nature than as uh, coming from a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Zombie kind of missed the boat with that. I think the sequel That's is fair. subpar. I, I think Halloween, I think Zombies Halloween 2 is a bad movie. I, I do and too. I, do too. I, I, think, I think it's in a bad movie in the same way Halloween Resurrection was a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I, th- those, are, those are bad movies. Um, but, you know, I mean, Zombies are, you know, I mean, not everybody, you know, everybody, listen, I mean, everybody views movies differently. Some movies are liked by the, I mean, I'm just giving you my take on them um you know it's a it's subjective some what some oh, sure, person sure. might might like in a movie other people don't like um my father i'll give you an example um loves the movie blade runner ridley scott think it's one of his all-time favorite movies hmm. loves it watches i you know he watches it all the time uh the matrix hates it um really? both movies Weird. both movies deal with similar themes mm-hmm. um loves blade runner hates the matrix so everybody's different, <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, a zombie is a filmmaker. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, I know he did the monsters. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't seen that yet, but I, I'd be willing to check that out. I, I watched it like five times already. <laughs> and here's the thing with the monsters again, not to, you know, set it up for you or whatever have you, but you, you really, I, people expected, you know, Oh, zombies behind it. And it's going to be this and that. And he's going to have this weird take because of zombie. No, he just did this homage to Monsters. He enjoyed the storyline from the 60s. He just took that and colorized it. And it's hokey. It's it's there's there's goof off jokes made like it's just fun. And right. that's how you kind of got to look at it. You know, it, it's not your typical what zombie would be. Behalf. And Devil's Rejects, again, is another one that I, I don't know if you've seen that, but Devil's Rejects was a fantastic way to go over a thousand corpses was now we're going to return with the Firefly family and, and, and move towards what the actual what drives this group as a as a as a family. Um, just just outstandingly done, I, I, I think, in my opinion, you know, again. 
You know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little partial, but well, you know, you know, we we were talking about earlier with like zombie and the remakes. Um, <laughs> there was one, um, and I'll give you an example. There was one that um, this was from 018. So this is four years ago now, and and I liked it. Um, is they did the remake re envision of Suspiria. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I I like that. Yeah, I thought I that was it. very uh-huh. good. The what it was with uh, Dakota Johnson. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very very good. I very much liked it. I liked the little twist in it. Um, I didn't have a problem with that, you know. And it wasn't frame by frame. There was enough in it that kept it the same, but was a little different. So you know that one worked for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. No, I mean, and, and again, we can go on and on. I mean, my God, I, I just watched like Phantasm three last night. I love the Phantasm movies just because they're dumb and they're, and they're just creepy because they have the, you know, the tall man and, and this whole, you know, demon dimension. And sure. I don't know, you know, it's just, like I said, it, it's amazing. I, I think um, wealth of knowledge, Robert, first of all, I mean, I, I think, you know, sometimes I, I wonder in present day when you have these movies that come out, you know, like, are, are we trending towards we don't really have the symbolism in the movies, like either because the people that are producing them or directing them or, or writing them, they're lazy, they don't think about it. Are we are we shifting our, our time from what used to be like your exorcist and your uh, you're shining and, and these, these movies that just has so much deep meaning and so many Easter eggs and, and we're shifting away from that. What, what's your, what's your opinion on the modern day, the modern well, day think, cinema? Yeah, I think it's somewhat the opposite. I think, I think the Easter okay. eggs are now becoming, I think it's now become a, you know, this, this idea, and I'm not going to be the one who takes credit for it, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, I won't take credit for it, but I mean, one of my books, the cinema, one of my, my first cinema books was one of the first books about it. Um, I talk about it in the Royal Arch. I find now that, you know, this whole idea of analyzing movies with these occult themes, these Easter eggs, it's almost a case of the tail wagging the dog. Um, oh, okay. where, 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 you know, Hollywood is on to this now and they want to include this stuff in their movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was, I, th- I think it's one of those things where it's always been there because um, you will find esoteric and occult themes all the, going all the way back to Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think, I think Hollywood is more cognizant of it. I think they do it more with Easter eggs than anything else. You can find the occult themes really embedded in it, but I am always questioning, is this a psychological phenomenon or is this intentional? Especially when you're really getting into some of the deeper, you know, like some of the stuff with Halloween is, is Gordon Green really aware of what he's doing? Because a lot of times you'll find when you talk to these people, they're like, Oh, I wasn't even aware I was doing this. Um, Oh, you know, and, yeah, and, okay. and, and yeah, I mean, I, I was on, I was on coast to coast AM, um, years ago. And I, I think one, one person called in and said, you know, I was writing and I wasn't even aware of the archetypes I was writing or, or something to that effect. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, it does kind of, it's like, you know, it's one of those studies. It's like, I'm not, I don't want to get too far off topic, but it's like the nine 11 stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it's it appearing in movies beforehand. I mean, is it intentional or is it supernatural? I mean, are some of these deeper themes, you know, coming from this dark psychological, you know, I dare say supernatural world. Some are clearly intentional. I mean, I know that because I'll tell you, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, I've always just begged, you know, like I said, like I said, with with the with the with the example I gave earlier with the witch, with Eggers, with the wood splitting. Um, this is something I'm talking about in Cinema Symbolism Four. I said I don't know if his impetus is conscious or subconscious, but I know he did it. Right, and that's where I right. kind of leave leave it. Yeah, and and it's amazing you say that. And and again, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that there's some odd things that happen in our lifetime and our frame of reference. 
Um, you know, Cecil Hotel, uh, the the woman who drowned. Oh, in, oh in absolutely. The yeah, I mean, that's right. a very, very good example. There was books, what, a book it, it, 10 years prior. There was a movie six years prior that mimicked, literally mimicked. Oh, yeah. The, I, it's yeah. just insane. The, and if you bring that into that story, you're like, holy shit, this is, is this real? Did this really? It's just, it, it's fascinating to, to think the, the, about the that. China, China syndrome came out two weeks before Three Mile Island. Oh, yeah. I mean, come that's on. another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I sure. mean, come on. I mean, yeah. coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just amazing. And I, I think there's so much to, to see about that. Again, you know, it's a matter of opening your mind a bit um, and, and going from there, man. I'll, I'll tell you, Rob, you know, we, God, I can talk all day to you. I mean, I mean, like I said, there's movies. Um, I, I know, like Exorcist, uh, the beginning I thought was phenomenal. Well done. Not even close to what the original was, but how it was set up was just amazing. Um, I, I, I don't know. Just like I said, I think would love to have you back on just to talk about movies. You know, Josh and I, you know, we, we watch a lot of them. Some of our, 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 our uh, stories and some of the things that we, we actually talk about, we pull from some movies, some, a lot of documentaries, sure. things to that point. So I can't wait to have you back on if you're okay doing that. Um, oh, I, absolutely. I, I want to give you the chance basically to promote, you know, anything on your side, your, your new books, any new research, anything that you want to throw out for the audience? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, if you're interested in what I was talking about in my books, um, well, I have five books out. They're all available in all the major online uh, retailers, Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. My name is Robert W. Sullivan IV. Um, if you want to find me on the internet, uh, that's my inter- My website is my name, robertwsullivaniv.com, the letter I, the letter V for the fourth. Um, if you go there, there's links to buy the books. You can get the print edition. You can get the Kindle edition, um, you know, the ebook, what have you. Um, uh, like I said, I have five books out. I'm in the process of writing Cinema Symbolism 4 right now, and I will also be in the next year or two releasing some revised editions um, of my earlier works. Um, You can still buy them, of course, but I will be releasing like a third edition of Royal Arch, um, things like that. Um, A third edition of the first cinema books. There's some things in there I want to tweak a little bit. Um, So they'll be coming out, but they're still probably a year two away but i will definitely be coming out with cinema symbolism four again um that's still probably a year or two away also um but yeah i'm, I'm forever busy and uh um it never ends on my end as as long as they're making movies um it'll never end on my end and i have some works of fiction as well i'm working on so again uh, you can go to amazon and just type in the name of the book cinema symbolism or royal arch or a pack with the devil um and get it or you just go to my website again robert w sullivan ivy.com uh loads of information there information about me uh my research uh you know there's links to radio shows such as this one and podcasts i'm doing and updates about me um so just go there robert w sullivan ivy.com and again all the links in the world to purchase the books yeah fantastic and and you know, folks those links will be on the show notes as well um we'll include all those in there i i know like i said before i've got uh, all three of your your cinema books and and just a wealth of knowledge love how you lay them out love how you you look into to everything um, just, just fantastic. You, you have a, a dream job that I wish I, <laughs> I wish I had. It's pretty amazing to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, if you want to hang on after there, we'll thank you off air and uh, everybody, sure. Robert Sullivan. Thank you very much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me on strange, strange uncles. It was my pleasure to be here. Thanks, Shane. Awesome. Thank you. So, so the one thing I thought was funny, which I kicked myself in the ass for, I, Trick or Treat, when he brought it up in the interview, is like one of my favorite shows. In fact, the wife and I sat down last night and watched it. 
And uh, it's just, it holds up so well. Brian Dordery is the director behind it. They're trying to make, and written, by the way, written by him as well, um, trying to make a part two. You know, it's, again, it's been on the cutting room floor for a long time. Um, he's also one that did Krampus, like we said in the interview. Uh, but when he when Robert threw that out there, I would just tickle pink. I was like, oh, how could I have forgot Trick or Treat? And I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen it, dude, but it is just, it's one of the best anthology horror movies ever. It, it's just fantastic. So Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I like Halloween movies, and I like like light horror, like psychological thrillers and stuff. You know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm not like rushing out to see like the next new nightmare of any kind. You know what I mean? Oh, I get it. Yeah. Like uh, this time of year, even I'll put on probably more like spooky movies than I normally would. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It did kind of get me thinking about um, like some of the, some of the, other greatest hits where it's like it's a horror movie but it's not but it is like uh identity and like uh oh identity is good yeah uh, is that the one they're in the cabin is that that one they're in the hotel there's something in the, they're in the hotel okay yeah and i don't want to i don't want to spoil the ending but like right right a serial killer might may or may not be on the loose people start disappearing there are all these people that are in this like roadside motel there's a big rainstorm they can't get out it's like super crazy T- typical set yeah 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 i, th- I think i see yeah that. i think john john cusack is that right yeah yeah okay yeah. okay cool yeah it's been so long since i've seen it I, i'm with you though too and that's one thing that we that man i, I again you know, could talk to him forever but uh you know there's so many psychological movies out there that are crazy uh like um david cronenberg you know is, is a huge director and he's the one that did uh God, what was it? Well, the twins, they were both surgeons. I, I think he also did Flatliners. He came out with a new one recently. Um, he's just so out of the box with the shit he does. And a lot of them are psychological, thriller-based, uh, medical-type. It, it just crazy, some of the stuff that he comes up with. Um, God, I wish I could remember that movie. I can't remember now. God, it was so good, too. But, I mean, there's so many directors. You know, he kept... Well, Robert kept mentioning... Um, you know, like the guy that did uh, uh, Twin Peaks, you know, the other. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about, you know, just like he's got this style. He's got this look on it and and how he how he did it. And he can reference that to other movies. And the cool thing was, and again, hopefully you listeners enjoyed the interview. I, you know, we want to kind of hit on the classics, but at the same time, throw the new ones in there. You know, classics being, of course, Exorcist, um, you know, Poltergeist, all these other ones. And there I threw some at him in the very beginning. So I had a list. I, and I'll tell you guys, kind of behind closed doors. I had a list like twelve movies. And I said, "Well, let's talk about these." You know, and I pull them kind of directly out of the book. Um, some of them were classics, like Frankenstein, Dracula, things like that. And he flat out emailed me back, and he says, "Look, if we talk about these, we're going to have a whole episode on like two movies because there's so much hidden symbology into them. So many, like he just didn't even want to." touch them like Frankenstein talk about like who wrote Frankenstein. It was, you know, of course, Mary Shelley, mm-hmm. uh, so much stuff into it, you know, like it was actually a contest that she did where, you know, nobody thought she could write and her husband was supposed to be the big writer. And she came up with this bit called Frankenstein and, and here we go, you know, fast forward in modern times is one of the, one of the biggest movies ever as far as monster horror, you know, it's fucking crazy. Um, but he says, well, we just don't have time you know, to talk about stuff like that. But I think what we did talk about with everything, you know, of course, yeah, Halloween, you know, being 
And, and I know you haven't. I, I don't know. I guess I can ask you, did you watch Halloween ends? Did you watch a new one? I don't know if you're no, in man, I, I haven't seen a Halloween movie. I don't think I've ever seen one all the way through, honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, so, and that's a new one that is kind of hit and miss for a lot of people. A lot of people are upset because, you know, Michael Myers didn't make, you know, it's not the same as old slasher ones. And this new director took it in a new, of course, the same guys rebooting exorcist, which, you know, and again, I didn't think it was terrible. And, and we talked about the interview. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was well done. I thought it was another little subplot here. But it wasn't your typical let's go kill him slasher type show. And I think that's what everybody expected. And it just wasn't like that. You know, so and, and we talked about that. And we talked about some of the other classics, too. Um, I don't know, man. Wealth of information. Uh, wealth of knowledge for, like, movies that I never... Even when I sit there and watch Exorcist, I've probably seen it 50 times over. He was telling me things that... I've never seen in like, did I miss them? I, because that's not how I watch movies. And I guess you know, yeah. a lot of people sometimes just watch movies to watch a movie, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. Like even when I'm watching a movie to uh, look for things like that, I'm probably going to miss a bunch of them because I will get caught up in the story. That's just how I am. Right. You know? Right. Like, and he, he was pointing out that a lot of the Easter eggs and a lot of the movies that he was talking about and a lot of the symbology is part of the story and part of what makes it like a rich story and a good movie, you know, like specifically like things with the exorcist and you guys were talking about some Kubrick films too. And like, uh, yeah, like, Oh, so I was going to ask you about that real quick. Kubrick, when we got on that and then he went down the whole, uh, moon landing thing. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know what your viewpoints were on that, but uh, I, I don't know. My eyes I, a little bit. I just kind of let um, it go. You know, I mean, like I said, it's yeah. legitimate. It's like, oh, wait a minute. You know, NASA is letting you, you're letting Kubrick use this thing that is this technology. I, and again, I've heard that rumor. Just, it, I guess, it was surprising yeah. that he brought it up. You know, but well, um, I don't know if you've watched that documentary room two thirty seven. I haven't. Yeah, it's on my list. I have not. Uh, do it dude it's like a really weird fun breakdown of the shining by a bunch of people like robert Mm -hmm. he might even be in it who knows i haven't seen it in a while um but there's like a few different segments where they talk about like the importance of the movie what it influenced like how it was made blah 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 and they do have like a segment that's about the whole moon landing conspiracy aspect of it really okay um, and they make a really convincing case uh, that at the end of the day, I think it's just bullshit. Um, right, it's right. just like, yeah, I mean, it's plausible, but I doubt it. You know right, what I mean? Right. Uh, like not saying that I think they're crazy conspiracist people or anything like that, but just like the theory is really interesting and it is basically, uh, that NASA helps or that Kubrick and so certain scenes like some of the ones that he mentioned in the shining are him like winking at the audience saying, Hey, I faked the moon landing just so you know. Right. right. Um, yeah. And my take on that has always been, yeah, but that dude liked to fuck with people like pretty much. Not oh, that's stop. what he did. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So he might've purposefully been saying, yeah, this is going to fuck with people true or not. Who knows? 
You know what I mean? mean? Interesting. You know, I mean, that's a good way. Like, yeah, I mean, look at his movies in general, you know, like Clockwork Orange is a classic one. I mean, shit, you know, you can pull that movie out and look at the plot of it and go, wow, shit, this can really happen. And like, it's just how he did things. It, and, and the projects he decided to pick up uh, were amazing. So, you know, yeah. again, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like I, I said, mean, <clears throat> like that whole scene with Danny wearing the uh, Apollo 11. Right. Right. sweater and like all this all the stuff that the people that like this conspiracy theory like to point to uh it could be as simple as him just being a callback to like hey remember 2001 that came out a few years ago i made that could be yeah absolutely and here's the thing that whole don't conspiracy, forget i'm cool at making movies <laughs> right exactly well don't forget that that whole conspiracy of him you know supposedly faking the moon landing that didn't come out when he was like shining that like it's it's not fairly recent but it's been like the last like decade 15 years so yeah. even then he wouldn't have planted you know hey i did that but i don't know there's different ways to look at it dude and i, I again yeah i mean it's fun it's just uh oh sure. <clears throat> sure and i think of the of the the moon landing was faked ideas it's the most plausible because like yeah maybe they did whether or not they physically went there, shoot it on a soundstage just in case. So they know they'd have something usable, you know? I, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, look at it. We're in the middle of a cold war. Russia's doing their fucking thing. Why not have a backup, you know, just in case shit went South, a plan B. Sure. Because they also like had alternate speeches for in case they couldn't get them back. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I actually, I heard one of those speeches where they all fucking died and um, it was recorded and everything like it was a thing, you know, if it goes this yeah, way, yeah. this is what we're going to say. If it goes this way, this, you know, something totally different. Yeah, it's fucking history's crazy, you know, so. But uh, no, yeah, so I, I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that I think those the people that are that give that idea or that theory weight are like up in the night or anything. I just right. personally think that we fucking went there. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Agre- agree. Yeah. You know, like I said, we've had this argument, you know, for those of you who've listened, you know, maybe new listeners uh, we did cover this. It was a part two or um, I think our first season where we actually broke down facts and everything within the moon landing. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, some of us were sold and some of us weren't. And you know, that's, <laughs> that's what I it just is, you know? don't see any reason that any of our geopolitical rivals would not that have like rovers or anything on the moon would not go right to the landing spot and say, I got you there. You're full of shit. Right. Right. Fuck you guys. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like we're, why we're, we're at these coordinates. There's nothing. Yeah. No, yeah. fair enough. Very fair enough. So, you yeah. know, but uh, no, anyway, you know, great interview. Like I said, I, I think, uh, you know, love to have the guy back on again. And I, I think the yeah. deal would be to have him on to like focus on a certain genre, you know, and, and I, I couldn't remember if we asked him that the first time we, like, if there's a certain genre that he liked more than something else. But I think, um, you know, he's obviously he's right. Cinnamon symbolism part four, uh, looking forward for that coming out. And, and again, if you guys haven't picked him up, there's one through three and, um, secrets of the cinema, just amazing. Um, they're, they're easy reads because literally he just like picks themes. He lumps some science fiction movies together like all the star wars he lumps other movies together so it's really kind of easy to navigate through his books um but some of the stuff you pick up out of him is uh is fascinating you know so and again maybe it's like you said maybe it's kind of far-reaching maybe some of the stuff is like meh you know that's just a coincidence more than a hidden meaning but uh i'm i'm gonna say there's a lot of directors and producers that really make it a point especially look at the marvel world 
where they make it a point to put the Easter eggs in there. They really dive deep into putting these little tiny things, hoping somebody's going to see it, It, you know? Well, and especially when you're drawing from like a wide and deep, deep base of lore. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the Marvel movies that they can put a million Easter eggs in because they're always developing more offshoots to the storyline because they have such a rich, uh, network of of stories to adapt from right like we're talking mm-hmm. about fucking marvel comics was around for years and years and years and have been telling stories since at least like the 60s you know what i oh, mean oh no it's crazy on yeah. these stories with these characters you know and uh you, you kind of see the same thing with like directors like the ones you guys were talking about and filmmakers that are uh pulling from like occult symbology because you know this is lore that's been around for thousands of years mm-hmm. you know yeah and well it's, like it, it's symbols crazy. that have different meanings in different cultures even you yeah know? absolutely i was reading this article the other day uh about like the original little mermaid story it was written in the 1800s before disney decided to do it the original story is fucking horrible i mean it's horrible yeah. it's like she was born without a soul she had to get married then she grew legs and it was like walking on knife blades and this was her you know like it's just a horrible one of those oh you know get what you pay for type stories originally till till it got disney eyes well i mean i i remember when i was a little kid there was another animated version that came out before the original disney uh cartoon that was also way darker way closer to the original story just like kind of a straight up animated adaptation yeah crazy man there's some crazy cartoons out there that scare the shit out of you they really do you know and, and honestly one of the cooler first original horror science fiction movies that I fell in love with when I was a kid, and it scared the shit out of me. The Black Hole. It was Disney. Oh, I fucking love that. Oh, it's a great show. Fantastic. That was during, uh, that was during Walt Disney's fucking LSD days, for I think sure. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it was just so fucking crazy. Ernest Borgnine and fucking weird robots that t- come out. Just They're not the, robots. Ugh. The end of it is so fucking weird. Oh, my God, dude. I You know, I've never seen it just stoned or drugged. I sh- Maybe it would change a whole ending for me. I Bro, don't know, but, pop uh, a fucking edible and cue that bad dude up. <laughs> Probably. Because it's also hilarious. Because it was funny when it came out, but it's gotten even funnier over time because it's just like oh, outdated sure. and shit. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but still, it's still just amazing. So The story's great, and it was the last movie made like that with pretty much all like practical effects and map, map painting and stuff. Oh, you know? that's what map I heard. Yeah, painting. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Like, none of it was really... Well, I mean, obviously, the fiery uh, asteroids that cruise through the ship were not practical effects but right right like you know this this all predates cgi you know yeah no it's it's crazy it's crazy so. and uh another one that's uh the same way as that but except for predating the cgi is uh god damn it the name just the last starfighter oh really oh i did on that that was another yeah like it was the first big cgi movie that was ever made oh okay i see i thought it was tron was the first one maybe uh yeah well they're they're both they both came out really close together like one was in like i want to say like 80 and the other one was in like 81 or something like that i I think so i think like they all came out those three movies came out within a couple years of each other and one was like the end of an era and the other two were like the beginning of an era right right and uh but the last starfighter is just fun because the cgi is so bad but it still like works somehow yeah yeah like well it's like, amazing you know. it's even when i watch like batman from 1989 with michael keaton 
If you yeah. if you watch that and you watch the Joker scene where he falls off the building, that is the most hokey fucking cartoon animated bullshit I've ever seen in my life. But you really, but back in the day, you know, oh yeah, shit, I remember it was cool, you know. But and there was another movie too, and I can't remember if it was Disney or not. I know it was a book. I want to say Ray Bradbury wrote it. Um, Something wicked this way comes. I, oh yeah, I think it was a. I remember seeing that like in junior high, and I was like, "Holy shit, this thing's creepy!" Yeah, that one always terrified me because there were spiders in the bed. Oh yeah, no, it's been years since I've seen it. I, I just, I don't know, I can never find it. But dude, you know. uh, Disney used to make a lot of like weird and spooky shit. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this, and I'm pretty sure they did the Watcher in the Woods, which is just Watcher in the Woods, a fucked up movie. Well, I remember watching like uh, Escape to Witch Mountain. Yep, like those, those were, were you know, weird and creepy. Those were weird, yep, yep. So, uh, tons of stuff um, out there. Hang on a second. I'm going to give you a link. You look that up. But, yeah. No, it's just cool. I mean, like I said, I, I think, you know, as many movies that are out there, you could, do, we could talk for hours on it. Um, great having Robert on. Uh, you know, can't wait to see what else he does. You know, if nothing else, like I said, just fun for the holidays for sure. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of Chris, uh, Christmas symbolism movies too that are out there that are that are crazy, and so that's wife's favorite holiday. I, as far as Halloween, I'm concerned. After Halloween, uh, the holidays are dead to me. But you know, it is what it is. But, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, really, uh, yeah, just love the conversation. Uh, and again, I think we just touched the tip of the iceberg. Honestly, as far as movies go, uh, I don't know, man. You know, you got anything else on your side? No, it would be fun to have him back and talk about like stuff other than uh horror movies and see yeah see for what, sure but what, what yeah, he yeah. thinks about that you know yeah yeah like i said it's a really interesting individual so anyway you know well let us know folks you know on your side like i said you know if you have a, a basket of movies that you really want to talk about and, and again you know we look on having them back on the show uh, you can write us at strange uncles at gmail.com you know let us know uh you know if there's something out there that you want to see or there's trilogies i know that he was really excited i guess he can pick apart lord of the rings which i mean who can't Right. There's so many different things in that whole, you know, J.R. Tolkien books that are just absolutely amazing. You know, of course, a remake. Then they have the, the I can't remember what the one on Prime is, the Ring of Power now or something like that. Rings of Power. Is that what it is? Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. Uh, it ended up being really good. Um, the it? first few episodes, I was like, this is seriously the most expensive TV show ever made. Really? Oh, I don't yeah, see, see that's it. What I heard. That's um, what I heard. Yeah. But it got. It got better, um, and then the like. I don't want to spoil even one little thing about the uh, sure. the end, like the last couple episodes, because it got really good at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, check it out. Like I said, you know, I don't mind shows like that for sure. I know there's a new one on Prime called Peripherals, which I want to kind of. That look looks into. fun. It looks fun. Yeah, it looks pretty good. But you know, again, wealth of information uh, for what he had. Uh, if you guys have something to recommend, again, you can write us or you can call us at 801-252-6945. Let us know. Um, and then we can go from there. Again, we're, we're wrapping up season six. Uh, we're going to jump into season seven here probably in the new year. Um, it's just this time of year it gets busy for everybody, especially Josh. Um, just crazy. So, you know, we've got a few more interviews, a few more real, real stuff. And if you're a Patreon member, we've actually got some uh, good bonus content that's going to come your way. And we'll kind of sprinkle those in the in the downtime that we have. So uh, kind of cool little bonus stuff, you know. Uh, how are you looking on socials, man? We are at Strange Uncles Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 
Um, we are at strange uncles on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel that may someday get updated. Um, working on it. And, uh, Patreon. Did we say that already? Uh, I don't know if we did, but just in case, uh, patreon.com slash strange uncles. That's where you can find us there. So we got different yeah. tiers for everybody. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's, 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 you know, that's where you can find us. Uh, yes. Yes. You were, like you said, we're, we're right behind you and all this stuff, but anyway, um, we have, so this will drop, but we probably won't talk to you guys before, uh, before Halloween. So, you know, enjoy your, your holidays for sure. Uh, again, Patreon, look for a bonus episode to drop just before. Uh, it was kind of fun to do. And, and I've got some other things lined up on, on my side and working with Josh on, on what we can, you know, little explorations, things like that. You know, just always fun stuff. And we'll keep those things going. But, uh, yeah, that's all we got, man. Appreciate you being a Patreon member. Appreciate you being a listener. If you're not, if you're not a Patreon, just thanks for listening. And I don't know. You got anything else on your side? I do not. All right. Close the gates, everybody.